What's going on, FA Nation? Dan Malin here for the Two Minute Drill, a brand new podcast from Fantasy Alarm. Uh, each week, Mike Alexander, who joins me tonight, uh, we are both going to recap what happened in the previous week in the world of the NFL and fantasy football. Uh, we're going to talk about the biggest storylines that were taken away, as well as some fantasy implications. Mike, how are you doing? How was your week one of the NFL season? Not too bad. Uh, just a cut below in, in DFS cut lines and, you know, uh, came out on the, the losing end of some fantasy season-long stuff where it was just a bit short. So hoping week two is is the upside of that coin. You know, for a brief second in the second quarter of the 1 p.m. slates, I huh? was taking down the Millie Maker. I, I saw sc- that. I screenshot it. I, I, I screenshot like, it. I, I know knew that it. name and that logo. <laughs> I, uh, I knew it wasn't going to hold because I'm almost immediately after I screenshot it, I, I saw Marlon Mack limping off the field. But we you know, we have a lot of injuries and a lot of things to talk about. We're going to start off with Michael Thomas. Uh, he got rolled up by Alvin Kamara in Sunday's game against the Buccaneers. He played through it. He's a tough guy. But it turns out, and we're recording this on Tuesday, and the news is breaking a little bit later on Tuesday, that the ankle injury is looking pretty severe, and it looks like the he could be out a while. Thomas is a tough enough guy where he's going to want to play through it. However, the Saints could just shut him down and just say, we're going to put you on IR so you're not forcing your way back and possibly putting yourself at more injury risk. This has to, this is going to have huge fantasy implications because he's a, he's a top five pick in most fantasy football leagues. I mean, what do we do if we have to lose Michael Thomas for six to six to eight weeks per se? Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing it's through their week six bye. That, that's probably the what makes sense. And that it's the high ankle sprain. That's not the one you could just tough out. You lose all of your burst. Uh, you're just kind of dead in the water. So, uh, Traquan Smith, you know, maybe gets a, a little bit of juice there. It's hard to say with New Orleans. They're always so, everything's so close to the vest. And Sean Payton just like pulls stuff out of thin air. So, really to me, it's Alvin Kamara is going to be the, the main valve of that offense going forward. Uh, and that was the case on Sunday probably remains that uh, that way through the the bye week all right next up another huge injury uh, marlon mack goes down in the first quarter cost me the millie maker <laughs> um but this this has huge implications for jonathan taylor and naeem hines and i know that a lot of people are going to rush to waiver wire to pick up naeem hines and rightfully so but once mack went down jonathan taylor saw 10 carries and six targets to naeem hines three carries and seven targets now hines is the one that's available to almost everybody um, so they're going to use their top priority claims for waivers on him. They're going to throw the fab at him. But, you know, I'm also not ruling out the idea that fantasy owners should possibly be trying to target Jonathan Taylor and see what they can get. Because the rest of the way, with Marlon Mack down, Jonathan Taylor could potentially be a top 12 running back. Who do you? How, how are you reading the rest of the offense? Do you think that they commit more to Taylor? Or is that just too much of a risk for Frank Reich, you know, relying on a rookie so much? You know, Hard-nosed football is, is kind of who they wanted to be on offense after they lost Andrew Luck. You know, we're going to run the ball. We're going to pound it. We've got that big offensive line uh, that can move people. But that was, you know, some of that was quarterback-based. They went out and got Phillip Rivers. Uh, everybody has noted very well on Twitter how much he loves to check down to his backs. That was the case with Naheem Hines. Hines is a very talented receiver out of the backfield. Uh, you know, I, I think it's the kind of thing where it's just going to be a, a game-to-game basis, and you're going to have no idea. It's, you know, one game script leads to Taylor uh, in the lead, cranking away. The other one leads to Naheem Hines, uh, piling up PPR points out of the backfield. You know, like you said, Hines is the available ad. Go ahead and make it, because 
wide receiver uh, running backs are just super hard to come by. Uh, Agreed. And, yep. And you know, if you can get a full season out of one, that's even bigger. All right. Speaking of uh, running back injuries, James Conner went down during the Monday night football game. This one's a little bit more interesting. Uh, he was seen on the sideline. He had his helmet on in the first half. It looked like he wanted to go back in. Early in the second half, they showed him on the sideline. He was stretching out. I think the Steelers were just being precautious. Um, if, if you play on ESPN Fantasy Football in his player profile, there was a note from them that you know the injury may not be as severe. Um, but Benny Snell looked great when he came on in relief. Even if James Conner is not hurt, do you think that Snell possibly takes cuts into Connor's workload a little bit? I mean, I anticipate Connor possibly missing next week. Uh, I am a James Connor. I took a shot on him in a lot of leagues in the third round. I'm very disappointed by the result because, you know, even if he's not hurt, I just feel like the Steelers probably want to play it safe with him and just, you know, maybe decrease his workload, give a little bit more to Benny Snell. But right now, Benny Snell seems to be like that immediate ad right behind Naheem Hines. Yeah, it, it's going to be another frustrating situation because there's lots of options. You, you, you know, you, you've got um, what's his name? They're they're pass catching back in there, and they also got rookie um, another rookie in there that kind of the same thing as McFarland. Yeah, McFarland. He's a yeah. you know. A, a, oh, and Jalen Samuels. Samuels. That's who yeah. I'm looking for. You know, Samuels. He's very talented, but again, you know, it could be. We saw this last year. You had no idea what Steeler running back was the guy to own that week between three different people. So um, if, if Connor is fully down, maybe that's the case. You know, Snell could be the guy worth an ad, uh, but be be judicious on that on that spend. Uh, Le'Veon Bell placed on IR earlier today on Tuesday. I own zero Le'Veon Bell. I'm very happy about this. It. I don't care if it's the injuries or the fact that the Jets suck or the fact that his head coach hates him. I wanted zero interest in Le'Veon Bell. I mean, what do we expect going forward? Did they do they possibly try and trade him and just eat the contract? I don't think they can trade him because they put him on IR. They would have to have like an injury settlement to get rid of him. Maybe they trade him when he's activated in three weeks. Um, but yeah, Adam Gase's offense is just entirely dead to me outside of Chris Herndon, possibly as a tight end that's cheap. Maybe Jameson Crowder. Yeah, and even then, like Crowder does this to us every year. He has that huge game with a bunch of targets and one long catch, and then he. I think week one last year, I think he also had like seventeen targets. Yeah, like you're like, oh, how does that fail? Week two, and (laughs) your lineups are dust because you spend money on them. All right, moving on. Uh, Carry on Johnson. Only the Detroit Lions in the last two NFL drafts can use a second round pick on a running back each year and then sign an aging Adrian Peterson and give him the lion's share, pun intended, of the workload. Uh, Carry on Johnson loses his starting role. DeAndre Swift was actually on the field more than Adrian Peterson. It's just Peterson got more usage. Peterson's available on waivers. He's he's a pretty decent ad in deeper leagues. But how do you feel between you know Carry on? DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson going forward for the Lions. They're a team that historically sucks at running the ball. Yeah, you know, they they obviously signed him with an intention to give him carries, and, and they did. Um, but you can't just ignore carry on Johnson if you're not going to trade him, uh, which maybe does happen to a, a team that sees his value and is running back starved. Um, but, you know, I, I, like you said, Swift is the guy that they spent a lot of recent draft, draft capital on. Uh, he dropped a touchdown that was a game winner, which is just a killer. Um, but I, I think that that their defense is not that good. Uh, Matt Patricia is a bum, in my opinion. He's just <laughs> not, another Bill Belichick cast off. 
uh, that we'll probably be back with him in a couple of years. So uh, that team probably needs to throw the ball more often than not, and, and um, Swift is that guy. Chris Carson had a massive game against the Falcons. Most of it actually came through the air. Didn't touch the ball very much. I believe Carlos Hyde may have outtouched him. Yeah, uh, but at the same time, you know, do you, for fantasy, do you think that you know, obviously everyone's going to exploit the Falcons? I mean, the, we're going to talk about the week two matchup against Dallas in a little bit. Just preview a slight DFS perspective of it. But do you think that this might be a time to sell pretty high on Chris Carson? Or do you think that if the Seahawks, quote unquote, let Wilson cook, that we could see more production through the air for Chris Carson? Yeah, I, I think that continues to be the case because they don't really have a great pass catching option. Uh, and, you know, they let Russ cook, quote unquote. But if you look at his next gen stats, so many of the, the completions are five yards and, and less uh, right at the line of scrimmage. A bunch of them were behind the line of scrimmage. I think like 10 out of 30 were behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so it, it's he's throwing the ball, but they've just pulled the Andy Reid trick of making the handoff um, a short pass, which is really effective and smart, and we're not used to seeing that from Seattle. So um, let's hope that continues. All right. Uh, last kind of notable performance, uh, Aaron Rodgers had a huge, huge game, and a lot of people were writing him off coming into the season, uh, whether it's due to age, lack of performance. I personally tend to think he's a little bit overrated throughout if you just look at his you know, career resume. Uh, but he showed me up on Sunday. I uh, had a great connection with Devontae Adams. And even after he didn't really get his wish in the NFL draft of getting another, you know, weapon for the offense, you know, you got a, another running back to potentially throw to. Uh, but Aaron Jones found the end zone. Devontae Adams had a, had a few touchdowns as well. What do we make of, of Aaron Rodgers? Does he have top eight quarterback upside in fantasy the rest of the season? I still tend to believe he probably finishes just outside the top 10. Yeah, it was encouraging to see on the road, especially. So that gives me some hope that that he can get back into that, you know, top eight conversation. But uh, this this reminds me of when the Vikings got toasted by the Bills uh, early on a couple of years ago. Uh, they sometimes their defenses just don't work out, and and this might be a case of that. Young cornerbacks. I mean, Marquez Valdez Scantling caught a big touchdown. Alan, Alan Lazard caught a touchdown. So there was just touchdowns for everyone. It was Oprah style. Um, so let's let's, let's <laughs> maybe have a little patience with the Packers and see if it's prime Aaron Rodgers again. Could this be a case though? And we haven't said this in in quite some time, but like we're looking at a pretty bad secondary for Minnesota. You know, they had yeah. a lot of personnel turnover in the off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, could this just be? Ends. Could this just be a case that you know maybe for DFS or fantasy, like we're targeting Minnesota secondary, their pass rush should be very good. But that secondary can be beat through the air. And we saw that, you know, because Aaron Rodgers just picked them apart on Sunday. I think they can fix it, but it's going to take time. Uh, So we're going to have at least a a few weeks here to do it. All right. A few games to talk about, a few games of note. Washington, Philadelphia. It's hard to talk about, hard not to talk about this one, rather. Philadelphia had a 17-point lead, and they allowed 27 unanswered points. Carson Wentz got sacked eight times. Now, if you look at the defensive front for Washington, uh, they have four first-round picks mm-hmm. on that line in the last four years, and they still have Ryan Kerrigan, who was a 2011 first-round pick, and he had two sacks. This was a decimated Philadelphia offensive line. Uh, no Brennan Brooks, no Andre Dillard. Lane Johnson wasn't active. Uh, Vitae Alapulavati is now with Detroit. You know, so they they just have. Nobody outside of Jason Kelsey. You know, are, are we going to expect similar struggles even when Lane Johnson comes back? 
Definitely, you know, Johnson had an ankle cleanup, so he's probably not as mobile as he usually is. Uh, Jason Peters on the other side was forced into uh, to play left tackle where he was expecting to play right guard, um, and that was week of game one. So it's going to take a pretty long time for the Eagles to smooth out that line. They get the Rams this week and Aaron Donald, so that's a defense I'm that's, definitely going to roster. That's going to be terrifying. Big, big trouble. Big that's going to be bad. Uh, but Carson Wentz still threw the ball a lot. Jalen Rager and Deshaun Jackson were a little bit limited. Um, really, I mean, Zach Ertz caught an early touchdown, but Dallas Goddard stole the show. Uh, if you're an Ertz owner, how worried are you? Uh, I'm not freaking out too much. I own Ertz in a couple leagues. Um, I understand he does have some slight contract issues because I think he's like the seventh highest paid tight end in the league. Mm-hmm. George Kittle and Zach and Travis Kelsey just got paid, you know, and Dallas Goddard is clearly very athletic. He's very good. Yep. Do we possibly see, you know, Ertz be, I, I'm not going to say he's going to go away entirely. They're not going to phase him out, but is Goddard potentially going to get a significant workload and possibly make Ertz? Yeah, not a top five tight end in fantasy. Yeah, it's just one more thing that, you know, the the years he was the best Ertz, that is, were the years that he just had to have targets forced his way. Kind of seemed like that was going to happen. Then all of a sudden Rager is active uh, and Goddard, uh, obviously, they decided not to cover him and he put up a monster game that could have been Ertz's uh, game. If, if Goddard weren't their backup tight end. So um, I think there are bright spots coming up, especially games he scores touchdowns. He's very good in the red zone. But, yeah, uh, he's not going to be uh, on par with those top three, I don't think. All right, uh, last game that we'll talk about, Carolina and Vegas. You seem very interested in talking about this one. A lot going on, a lot of offense. Uh, Christian McCaffrey scored two touchdowns. Josh Jacobs scores three. Um, Carolina's defense looks like it's going to be picked on by pretty much every uh opposition i mean they just look terrible and it sucks like they're very young carolina invested every draft pick that they had in the defense this year i mean what do you think going forward you know can we expect josh jacobs actually set a goal for 60 catches in 2020 you know he's already got four he's on pace for that you know do we think that he can possibly reach that goal because that would mean he's an absolute gem in ppr and what do you think about the panthers going forward on jacobs yes because Derek carr just unless it's a, a wide open wide receiver, he does not want to push the ball. That's always been the case. So if the coaching staff is willing to leave Jacobs in to run routes, he's talented. He he's got the skill set to do it. So yes, uh, on the Panther side. Yeah. That defense just getting walked all over. Uh, couldn't stop the run to save their life. That is going to continue. And it's also, you know, teams are going to score quick against them. So the Panthers offense is somebody to definitely take note of. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. They've got a half-decent offense with Teddy Bridgewater, still pretty mobile, um, despite that that big knee injury a little back, a little while back. So, um, interesting there. Uh, what games are you looking forward to uh, for Week Two? Whether it's for fantasy, just for the pure joy of watching more football. I know Dallas, Atlanta is going to be chalk for DFS, especially yeah. what we saw. You know how Seattle picked that defense apart. Dallas is coming off a pretty rough loss to the Rams. Uh, they obviously want to avenge that one. And Dak Prescott, in my opinion, should have been a top seven quarterback. He had a rushing touchdown taken away. I believe he had a passing touchdown taken away. And in general, you know, the team lost on a on a BS pass interference call. You know, is that is that a game that everyone's going to be looking at for DFS and then just like kind of as a, a high scoring affair? Yeah, I think so. Zeke, I think, is the third most expensive running back on DK, so that kind of makes it an easy click. Um, that game should be a – neither defense is playing real well. Zeke's going to catch a lot of passes. I guess the only concern on Zeke is Tony Pollard 
uh, definitely mixed in, uh, especially in the passing role. You know, maybe he steals a little bit of the wind out of those sails. Um, other games interesting are Arizona facing Washington to me. Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins right on the same page from the get-go, peppered with targets. Um, just didn't get the touchdown. I think he got tackled at like the one. Um, so, you know, that touchdown will, will come in, in other games and could be this week. Um, and then, uh, you know, Rojo is going to be getting that, that Panthers run defense. So, uh, Ronald Jones, if you're a believer, it's a really nice <laughs> price on DraftKings. It's going to be popular. Um, but, you know, we, we saw what happened with Josh Jacobs, who's another talented young back. And uh, one game that I, I do want to talk about, it is the Thursday night matchup. We kind of missed talking about Kareem Hunt. But, I mean, on Sunday we saw Kareem Hunt eclipse Nick Chubb uh, briefly. I mean, Nick Chubb wasn't terrible. I think he had 10 carries, and I think he finished with 60 yards against a good defense. He averaged six yards per carry against the Ravens defense. But, you know, it, it's a short week. You know, we, we have these strange COVID protocols. What are you expecting uh, from the first short week game, quote-unquote, uh, between the Bengals and the Browns? Joe Burrow looked like a pretty composed quarterback for a rookie. Um, how, do you, how, are, how do you think the Browns are approaching the run game this week? Or is Kareem going to go more back to a PPR role? And is, are they going to feed Chubb to kind of compensate for the lack of touches he had last week? And I think that's their hope. But, you know, the big problem is it's a new scheme, but the same old Baker Mayfield. It just something's off with. with he it. sucked. Yeah. You know, he had that flash as a rookie and then um, he's just not been able to get it done. Uh, you know, give him time in the new scheme. Let's see where it goes. But if they get game scripted out, uh, Kareem Hunt is going to be the guy because he's the pass catcher. Chubb doesn't go away, but it just you need him to dominate. You need him to break those big. Uh, 30, 40 yard runs for touchdowns to, to be uh, usable uh, in, in your lineup. So um, uphill battle for, for Chubb right now. This could be one that he gets it done in though. Cincinnati's defense, not great. Awesome. All right, Mike, thank you so much. Uh, we will be back next week uh, a little bit earlier. We'll record the podcast Monday night, have it out and available for you on Tuesday. Mike, thank you once again and best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation.